Good evening, dummies. Thursday, August 12th, 7.02 p.m. What a glorious, glorious day. Kind of a crazy day. You know how those days are. You get bad news, things like that. And you kind of cope. But I, uh, you know, the show must go on. I got I to gotta bring it to you anyway. So here I am, Mighty Mouse, to save the day. Remember that cartoon? What a great cartoon. Mighty Mouse was fantastic. Something so cool. It wasn't quite Superman. But a, ro- a rodent with demonstrable powers of a locomotive and a speeding bullet could leap tall cheese stacks with a single bound. Kind of amazing. If you don't know who Mighty Mouse is, look it up. Mighty Mouse is awesome. Not Speedy Gonzalez, no. Mighty Mouse. He was yoked, man. He was definitely taking roids for a mouse. I'm sure there's an asterisk in the uh, strongest meese of all time. It's not meese. Plural of mouse is mouse. Or is it mice? I have no idea. It's the type of intellect that you get from Don't Unfriend Me, folks. Welcome to the show. I have a good show. A lot of, lot of practice went into this one. I, I don't know if I'll muck it up. I hope I don't. I don't know if you're watching baseball tonight also. The Houston Astros aren't playing. The Yankees and the White Sox are playing in the Field of Dreams in the cornfield in Iowa. They could have picked two teams that don't suck, but since it's in line with the movie, Shoeless Joe Jackson and the Yankees and so forth and so forth, I guess if you build it, especially if you pay $326 million for players, they will come. They most assuredly will come, Ray. Folks, welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. Welcome to episode 204. Tonight, we are going into a concophony of different topics. And I can hardly wait to tell you about the first one. The first one is I can hardly tolerate how tolerant you are. Tolerance, what is it? People keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Why do you ask? Because I look backwards and I see in eel-infested waters. He can hunt a falcon on a cloudy day. He can find you. All right. I can hardly tolerate how tolerant you are going down avenues, folks. But tolerance, what is tolerance? Is it real anymore? Is it just some made-up, fictitious, woke culture? We'll talk about it tonight. And I'll explain the definition of tolerance. No, not the Webster's Dictionary. What a short segment that would be, 10 seconds. I'm actually going to go into tolerance and what it truly means, not what the woke left tells you it means. Era pop era. Vita, your papers, please. Vaccine passports are on the rise, folks. One out of 10 doctors prefer them. No, they don't, actually. Nobody prefers papers because there's a difference between identification and papers, and I'm going to go into it tonight. I'm going to tell you the difference between what papers really mean, what a passport truly is, and what IDs mean to the left. This is an interesting segment and one where it'll draw parallels all over history, and I hope you enjoy it. Please stick around for it. I think I've got the German pronunciation right. I'm sure there's a German person out there. Irach, pap, irach, bitte. I don't think that sounds right. I think I'm using a Arabic ugh, at the end of everything. Irach, bap, Now it sounds like mach, Rocky Marciano, Rocky Marciano. Can't do it, folks. Maybe Eero Papira Bita. That's Australian. 
Iri papari bitte. Well, that's Texan. Holy shit. I can't do this, folks. Irach bapira bita. That's not good either. Irach papira bita. No, that didn't do it. Irach papira bita. No, that wasn't it. You know, Monica and I just uh, like to look each other in the eye and say certain things and say, Ira papira bita. Just patted her on the head and said, thank you, Monica. Thank you, Monty. Get that dress clean. Here's $5. You know, I, uh, I don't have a lot to say about uh, uh, Ira bita papira or whatever the hell it is. I, I'm just going to tell you what I think. And I think that German people are full of crap. I'm not fat. I'm Ira Papa Babita. Ira Papira Bita. Your papers, please. Folks, there's reality, and then there's where I'm at. Not even close. What if I said it like, Eva to Ira Papira Bita, Holmes? Okay, we're just, we're just going to move on. Well, what we meant to say was, well, what if we actually took Dr. Fauci? took Cuomo, took all the people that we've been hearing, all the the talking points, Newsom, and we actually had them stand on the national stage during COVID and say what they were meant to say. Not what they said, but what they meant to say. Gee, far out, Scoob. (laughs) Raggy? Like, jinkers, man. (laughs) It's, It's horrible. Horrible. I I don't have anything left. I mean, I do, but I'm just going to save you from the, well, is that era bit I see before me? 76 years ago, Adolf Hitler did what no one else was able to do. He successfully killed Hitler. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest, always direct. So sit back, relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. You talking to me? You talking to me? I'll tell you the worst impersonations ever, folks. There was that guy who I don't know if you've seen him. Kind of when the YouTube craze was starting, and he did like. 26 impersonations he was on walking dead for a spell fantastic that certainly wasn't it i have not practiced my impersonations in years folks that is like essentially a a violinist getting up after 10 years removed and trying to play something that was pathetic and i apologize but hopefully a good laugh nonetheless folks who am i what do i do my name is matthew spear i am the host of don't unfriend me and tonight we will not be doing impersonations or any type of pretty cringeworthy comedy bits. We'll be talking about those three topics that I mentioned earlier. But first, where can you find me? Well, you're watching me from somewhere, probably Facebook. But if not, you can reach me over on Anchor, YouTube, Instagram, pretty much every podcast available, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, pretty much everywhere. If you want to go ahead and find Don't Unfriend Me, just type in Don't Unfriend Me like you spell it, and you'll find it on podcasts. And if you want to search on YouTube or anything else, just go into Google, type in Don't Unfriend Me, you'll find all my spots. If you are not into the social media thing, you can visit me on don'tunfriendme.com. It has all of my catalog, my videos, and 
all of that type of stuff for your enjoyment. Right here is a little red envelope on YouTube. Click that. You can uh, subscribe. And then you can also follow, like, and share on Facebook. Every time you hit like or share, whatever, if you're enjoying a video, you can hate it too. Whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. Just leave some some form of feedback. And if you have a question or comment or concern, you can also do that. Remember, we can agree. We can disagree. You can love me. You can hate me. Just don't unfriend me. Well, I think it's time to take off the attempted comedy cap that I almost hung myself with. With and let's go ahead and do the show. I can holler. I'll tell you, I'm just gonna go look at the bullocks. I cannot do it. I don't know what the hell's going on. Just gotta slit in. I can hardly tolerate how tolerant you are. Do you know the word tolerance and do you know what it means? If you do, I salute you. Because I really have no idea anymore. I know I promised to tell you, but folks, I don't even know. I did once. Everybody did once. But now, thanks to the left, the word is totally up for the grabs. Actually, it's worse than that. Tolerance now means the opposite of what it once meant. Tolerance now means intolerance. And intolerance now means tolerance. Huh? Almost like my opening. It's confusing, yeah? I know. Stay with me. There's a big payoff at the end. It's called Clarity. Amazing. Do we have some angels singing here? Do we have something here? Damn it. No, I didn't do that with my voice. That's a sound bite. To be tolerant today simply means you agree with politically correct. That is left-wing positions. And that's all it means. Now, you might hear the left say, oh, wait a second. The right developed cancel culture. Listen, that's not necessarily true. Capitalism, where we spend our dollars, doesn't mean canceling. It doesn't mean we're taking away your business. It doesn't mean we're subjecting you to solitude in Facebook and Twitter hell where you'll never be able to get a job again and doxing your information and having Antifa show up to your door and literally throw dog crap on your front lawn. There's a difference between where we decide to spend our money. Market share is market share. 50% of the population does not want to be with you as far as a business. Well, the other 50% can. And if you can't get that 50%, that's more about your marketing than anything else. That's not cancel culture. Individuals don't necessarily decide as a one-off what happens to you. If someone doesn't like your establishment, they don't have to visit. And you might say, well, well, wait a second. The right is intolerant with religion. Well, that's because it's it's a little bit more than just a belief structure. It's most people's lives. The word of God is ingrained in their psyche until a very small child. And honestly, the hand of God or the touch of God is with them before they're a child. People believe that. I'm sure someone can't tell you about your principles and what you believe. That's a very touchy subject, kind of like abortion or kind of like any of the other untouchable topics like sports. But intolerance isn't necessarily annotated with the right. It's really now focused on the left projecting it onto the right, which is a big difference. But we all have similarities. Everyone makes mistakes. But as a collective, the right doesn't necessarily believe in throttling people into oblivion until you agree with them. I'm sorry, there's no public or party policy that says that. It's simply let people be people, keep the government out of our house and out of our bedroom. That's a Republican platform, certainly not the left. It's really easy to show this. Name one position that differs from the left that they don't label intolerant. There, I've proven it. You can't. When you differ with the left on any subject, and I mean any, the people who claim to be tolerant don't attack your position. 
they attack you. There's an acronym. It's called Six Hirab. Sexist, intolerant, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, racist, and bigoted. Mr. Prager came up with that. And if that fails, there's always the ever-popular hater, or now calling you a Karen. This is obviously not tolerance. This is a blatant intolerance. Your accusers are guilty of doing exactly the same thing they're accusing you of doing, which is what they always do, including racism, including censorship, including all the things they accuse Democrats or Republicans of doing, they do themselves. There's a litany of these examples. I've given them on the show plenty of time. But here's what they're missing. In order to be genuinely tolerant of someone, you first have to disagree with them. And since you don't tolerate people you agree with, the classic definition of tolerance means to recognize and respect others' beliefs and practices without sharing them. Notice the element of disagreement is key to tolerance. Without it, true tolerance is not possible. This is critical. We don't tolerate people we agree with. We're on the same side. We only tolerate people we differ with, yet still choose to treat decently and with respect. This vital ingredient of real tolerance is completely missing in the politically correct version. People come on my page all the time and they want to start off and saying, your show is trash, you're a piece of crap, I hope you die. And then I go ahead and retaliate and they go ahead and tell Facebook that I am bullying them or that I'm threatening them. It's interesting how people don't understand they reap what they sow. I have a philosophy, garbage in, garbage out, which is much better than tolerance and intolerance. I treat others the way they treat me. And if you treat me like crap, most assuredly, you're going to get a ton of the same. But nowadays, if you differ with others on cultural sensitive topics or issues like sexual orientation or religious beliefs, you're labeled intolerant no matter how you treat them. The left says all behaviors and ideas have equal value that no behavior idea is any better than the other. They don't act that way. Tolerance is a one-way street for the left. Openly declare that sex differs and that there are differences and that they're real, as Harry Potter novelist J.K. Rowling did, and see what happens. You'll be called transphobic by the left. That same thing happened to legendary tennis star and feminist Martina Navratilova when she said it was unfair to women to have to compete against trans athletes. That is, athletes who say that they identify as female, but are biologically male. But I thought, according to the left, all ideas have equal value. So why are J.K. Rowling and Martina Navratilova suddenly called haters or Karens? Well, because the left doesn't believe its own rhetoric. What the left has done is cleverly redefine tolerance to mean agreement with leftist views. Tolerance no longer means treating people with civility and respect, even when we disagree with them. It means not disagreeing with them. And that is the left. That's how in the name of tolerance, the left shuts down all disagreement. It defines any contradiction of leftist views as intolerant. But not only is disagreement not intolerant, it's morally and logically essential. Think about it. All ideas, all behaviors are not equally valid. Some are better. Some are worse. Whoever came up with the movie Ishtar knows that. Anybody who came up with Ace of Base having any album, let alone a second one, understands that too. And this, Oh, and for all you Ace of Base fans out there who are now sending me hate mail, please stop being so intolerant to my views. Discussion and disagreement and debate are how we sort out the good from the bad. Civilization depends on it. The abolitionist movement in America believed its arguments were better than pro-slavery arguments. They were. 
Anti-communists believe freedom was better than communism. It is. Tolerance doesn't require we treat all ideas as equally valuable. No. True tolerance means we treat all people as equally valuable, with kindness and with civility, and with the freedom to express their ideas even when we disagree with them, or put the occasional boot up their posterior when they are rude to you. And in the end, that is all real tolerance. Boston College philosophy professor Peter Kreeft has a good way of putting it. He says, be egalitarian about people. That is, treat all people with equal dignity and respect, regardless of their views. But he also says, be elitist about ideas. In other words, treat some ideas as better than other ideas. Why? Because they are. Some are good. Some are bad. Some are smart. Some are dumb. Some are dangerous. And we ought to be able to have the liberty to figure out which is which in our discussions without being called names. And certainly without fearing we'll lose our jobs or our careers. I have no such fear. Bring it on. True tolerance applies to how we treat people. We disagree with them. And not how we treat ideas that we disagree with. All people have equal value. All points of view do not. And the sooner that you get a hold of this and wrap your head around it, the easier life will become. But if you think that every idea you have is a golden nugget that's going to take you somehow to buy a floating sailplane to the top of the ladder of success and intrigue, you're wrong. You're going to come crashing down. Because eventually someone is going to poke your idea full of holes. And as you run away and run home to your mom and dad, that's really all you'll have is that lonely basement that you came from. You've got to realize that argument is important. But to be respectful while you do it is also important. If you're going to engage in conversation with somebody, at least assume they know as much as you. Because if you don't, you're setting yourself up for failure. If you think you are the smartest person in the room, trust me, I can say this from experience, you are not. Hardly ever. We tried this once. Let's see if we can do it again. Ira pepper bitter, please. I need you to get down. Ira paper bitter, your papers, please. I want to see your papers. I can't do it, folks. I, I don't know what's wrong with my German accent tonight. You think I would be able to do it, so why don't we just go ahead and do. May I see your papers? I don't think I have them on me. Oh, so much better. That wasn't a really German accent, but it doesn't really matter. Can I see your papers, please? I want to tell you a story, and this story is going to take us back many years to a time and place that mass immigration was plaguing our lands. But before we get there, I want to show you something that happened in France just recently. Now, you may think the whole let me see your papers thing is an exaggeration. We know where this is coming from. It's stemming from vaccine passports, from forced vaccinations to the COVID epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. But this scene is truly terrifying, and it's what people like me have been saying, and we were told, don't make comparisons to Nazi Germany. Don't make comparison to the Third Reich, the SS, the Gestapo. How dare you? You're trivializing what happened. Well, I'm going to let you watch a video, and you tell me what you think. It's not a movie. And what you saw was the policia. 
however you say it over there, checking for passports of people who have the vaccine and those who do not. And what happens after? What happens if you're sitting there and you don't have a vaccine? Well, that remains to be seen. That's the real question. But the first segment I showed you of the man being checked for his papers, maybe it ends something like this. Movies are just movies after all. And who knows if that will ever come to reality. But it once did. And it's important for us to recognize that because that is the problem with erasing history is once you do, you have an awful hard time of remembering it. I told you about that time, that story I was going to tell you about our lands and immigration and the fear of terrorism. It was a real threat. And something had to be done to protect our federal buildings, our nuclear plants, airports. And let's face it, the minimum security standards that we have established in our most secure areas across the U.S. After 9-11, we had to reevaluate what we were doing. Now, there are certain arguments that are necessary with any legislation. However, some saw this as government overreach with real ID. And more importantly, as a way to limit illegal immigrants from traveling statewide, finding adequate airline substitutes, and making life harder on illegal immigrants. We certainly don't want that to happen, do we? No, that's not the design of it. Real ID makes it more difficult for everybody to travel, and that's the ever-loving point. Real ID was a deeper dive, and it makes it harder to forge than regular ID, and this is going to be in all states by February 2023, unless they kick the can down the road again. They've already done it several times. If you want to fly, you have to get real ID. I've got it on mine. However, this was and will be a constant struggle as the left side of the aisle really continues to challenge the merit or the value of creating statewide adherence policy to issuing ID. In other words, real ID is wrong in their eyes. Here's another story. In an effort to mandate that every employer use a system to check that their employees are working in the country legally, was rejected and denounced by Democrats several times over the years. The now-defeated plan you might have heard of, E-Verify, which was combined with a visa for agricultural workers, had mixed support among agricultural groups. All opposed E-Verify, but the language of the agricultural work visa appeased some groups. Others did not support it because it still included the so-called touchback provision which would make currently undocumented workers leave the U.S. to apply. And once they left, and they were illegal, they couldn't come back in until they did. Have you heard of this other one before voter ID laws? Democrats believe voter identification laws are part of the ongoing strategy to roll back decades of progress on voting rights and bring back Jim Crow laws. 34 states have identification requirements at the polls. Seven states have strict photo ID laws under which voters must present one of a limited set of forms of government-issued photo ID in order to cast a regular ballot. There are no exceptions in this. Voter ID laws are immensely popular, with over 70% of the population wanting some form of voter ID law. The voter ID laws deprive many voters of their right to vote, the Democrats say. They reduce participation and stand in direct opposition to our country's trend of including more Americans in the democratic process. They also say many Americans do not have one of the forms of identification states acceptable for voting. These voters are disproportionately low-income, racial, and ethnic minorities, the elderly, and people with disabilities. They continue, such voters more frequently have difficulty obtaining ID because they cannot afford or cannot obtain the underlying documents that are prerequisite to obtaining government-issued photo ID cards. Really? 
let me make sure I understand the following. Minorities are unable to figure out how to get an ID. That it somehow is more difficult for one race over another to get proper identification. So now the DMV is racist. Let's take a real look at these common everyday tasks to see if this holds water. Let's see if there really is oppression in the voter ID system. Here are the things that you have to get with a current ID now. And if you don't have one, no go. That's it. Sorry. But alcohol, cigarettes, opening a bank account, applying for food stamps, applying for welfare, apply for Medicaid. How about Social Security? How about unemployment? How about getting a job? What if you want to rent a house, buy a house, apply for a mortgage? How about refinancing your mortgage? How about driving, buying, renting, selling a car? How about getting on an airplane? How about getting married? How about buying a gun? Adopting a pet? Just had to do that the other day. Rent a hotel room or a motel room? Apply for a hunting license? Apply for a fishing license? Buy a cell phone? Visit a casino? Pick up prescriptions? Hold a rally or a protest? Blood donations? Buy an M-rated video game? Purchase nail polish at CVS? Purchase certain cold medicines? Does any of that sound familiar? That certainly doesn't seem to be very fair now, does it? But fair for whom? Fair to the honest and hardworking Americans who go through the life with zero issue doing any of those things? Identification is not the same thing as Nazi Germany papers. Paper, papers were used for an entirely different reason during this time. And let's dive into the history. The Ken Karte was the basic identity document used in Germany, including occupied incorporated territories, during the Third Reich era. They were first introduced in July 1938. They were normally obtained through a police precinct and bore the stamps of corresponding issuing office and officials. Every male German citizen aged 18 and older and every Jew, both male and female, was issued one and was expected to produce it when confronted by officials. Now, that doesn't sound so bad, does it? Well, it was. The problem is there was a distinct difference between IDs and papers. And the largest was the paper's first motive, which was to identify German citizens' nationality versus Jewish descent, religion, and nationality. These papers were used to identify the Jews and round them up outside of the normal means prior, which would be tax records, property deeds, pay stubs, etc., or word of mouth. And now they had a label and they had an ID. And if they didn't have it, they were a Jew. And if they did have it and it said they were a Jew, then that confirmed it. As if that wasn't enough, Jews throughout Nazi-occupied Europe were forced to wear a badge in the form of a yellow star. It's a means of identification. This was not a new idea. Since medieval times, many other societies had forced the Jews to wear badges to identify themselves. These badges were often printed on coarse yellow cloth and were garish yellow color. The star, which represented the Star of David, was outlined in thick black lines, and the word Jew was printed in mock Hebrewic type. In the Warsaw Ghetto, Jews wore a white armband with a blue Star of David on their left arm. In some ghettos, even babies and prams had to wear the armbands or stars. Jewish shops were also marked with a yellow star. The star was intended to humiliate, humiliate Jews and to mark them out for segregation and discrimination. The policy also made it easier to identify Jews for de deportation camps. And lastly, as, as if all that wasn't enough, instead of using numbers on clothing or an indelible ink 
and a new process was created. Of course, the Germans were creative, if nothing else. Originally, a special metal stamp holding interchangeable numbers made up of needles, approximately one centimeter long, was used. This allowed the whole serial number to be punched at one blow onto the prisoner's left upper chest. Ink was then rubbed into the bleeding wound. When the metal stamp method proved impractical, a single needle device was introduced, which pierced the outlines of the serial number digits onto the skin. The side of the tattoo was changed to the outer side of the left forearm. However, prisoners from several transports in 1943 had their numbers tattooed on their inner side of their left upper forearms. Tattooing was generally performed during registration when each prisoner was assigned a camp serial number. Since prisoners sent directly to the gas chambers were never issued numbers, they obviously were never tattooed and time wasn't wasted. Now, can you see the difference between IDs and papers? How the connotation is vastly different? One is utilized for legal purposes to maintain a valid legal document to prove who you are. The other is to identify something different or ulterior about who you are. Nothing like the color of your skin, height, weight, or eye color. All of those things are obvious upon first glance or inspection, but something deeper, your beliefs, your convictions, your ideology. Hence why religious status, political parties, or sexual preference are not on our IDs, but most assuredly would be included in Nazi Germany. So I beg your pardon when we see the same party pushing vaccine papers or passports, as they call it. Passports is an interesting word. Almost seems mischaracterized, doesn't it? What is the meaning of passport anyway? Well, Webster's has this covered here. It's one of three things. A formal document issued by an authorized official of a country to one of its citizens that is usually necessary for exit from and reentry into the country. It allows the citizen to travel in a foreign country in accordance with visa requirements, and that requests protection for the citizen while abroad. B, a license issued by a country permitting foreign citizen to pass or take goods through its territory, a safe conduct, if you will, backed from the medieval times. C, a document of identification required by law to be carried by persons residing or traveling within a country. That doesn't sound right, does it? How about the definition from history.com explaining the term papers in Nazi Germany? Papers or Aryan papers are not related directly to passports, but they are of importance since without ID of some form, it was not possible to obtain a passport or travel document in order to allow the holder in Nazi-controlled areas to immigrate or escape or go shopping or pay their gas bill or go into a Starbucks. Sounds familiar, right? After the events of Kristallnacht of November 9th and 10th, 1939, the German authorities implemented a new set of identity papers for its citizens, ID cards for its German citizens, ID, and a set of papers for non-Aryan citizens, or to be more precise, for the Jews. Well, that nails it down, doesn't it? So let's make sure I get this correct. Real ID is bad. And is harmful to all Americans. E-Verify is also equally as harmful to Americans. And let's not forget about voter ID. Lastly, ID in general is racist and meant to oppress minorities. But vaccine papers? That specifically single people out based on their religion, medical conditions, ideology, or political affiliations. Based on labeling this pandemic now as a red state pandemic and a Trump support virus. 
Is this within the confines of moral standards? Following age-old practices from the Third Reich, Nazi Germany, and the SS themselves is well within the parameters of acceptable outcomes that wouldn't delineate from one of the most oppressive regimes in world history. This is where we are supposed to find solace and accept that this is the only way to absolution? Well, let me tell you something. Charlton Heston said it best when it came to the Second Amendment. From my cold, dead hands, he said. And I have something slightly less civil. Let me bend over so you can kiss my pucker. Not going to happen. Well, what we meant to say was, what follows bears no resemblance to the advice tendered in the last year by Dr. Anthony Fauci, Governor Andrew Cuomo, Governor Gavin Newsom, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Mayor Bill de Blasio, and their less talkative state and local counterparts. But here's what they might have said. If they were the sort of leaders that they clearly think they are, if they were the leaders that actually could speak to all citizens of the United States, and not just the ones that follow them blindly. Maybe, perchance, it would go something like this. My fellow Americans, there is a new respiratory virus called COVID-19. It may or may not be more deadly than the common cold, flu, or pneumonia. All respiratory viruses should be taken very seriously, especially by the elderly, obese, or diabetic Check immediately to see that you have up-to-date flu and pneumonia shots, that you have them recorded on a vaccination certificate, and that you get a COVID vaccination when available if it is okay to do so. You want to go ahead and talk to your primary care provider, but also make sure that your primary care provider has records of these shots if you decide to get them. If you are elderly, obese, or diabetic, promptly undertake Whatever you can do to shed some weight. Lay in a supply of zinc, for example, coldies and vitamin C pills. At the slightest sign of respiratory problems, start taking them. After the onset of any respiratory problem, acquire a pulse oximeter at your nearest pharmacy and consult it daily. Call your healthcare provider at the onset of any respiratory problem and obtain his or her advice as to one where and whether to get tested for COVID-19, two, what palliative drugs are available and how and when to acquire them, three, where to get vaccinated for COVID-19 if that is a possibility, and four, what symptoms justify hospitalization or further action. Because of palliatives, herd immunity, and other reasons, COVID-19 is no longer deadly if treated promptly, nor are there shortages of hospital beds and equipment. The justification for lockdowns has therefore disappeared. Lockdowns cast the burden of the disease not on individual choices, but on classes of useful businesses and cultural and educational institutions. Mandates have outlived whatever usefulness they had. Efforts should be made to coordinate and combine flu, COVID, and if possible, pneumonia vaccines, making it easier for people to get them in one shot. Relevant laboratories should be decentralized, not concentrated in Atlanta, Georgia, States should be encouraged to develop their own testing capacities. Vaccines that have been widely used with few side effects should be promptly finally certified and the cover your ass syndrome regulators are prone to should be avoided. Risk must be weighed against large quantitative benefits, but thorough testing should be the target for all vaccine approvals and never ever be cut out. 
There should be more adequate financing of contact tracing for venereal and other diseases. Research and reporting on unpatentable natural cures not invested in by pharmaceutical companies and greater efforts to influence diet by taking excess sugar like countries like Britain, France, and Mexico and helping people understand the severe side effects. Introducing enhanced labeling requirements on these deadly substances. Regulations affecting the distribution of fresh fruits and vegetables should be relaxed. And any enhanced federal or state health expenditures should be directed at public health properly. So-called, not a reducing of the burden of insurance payments on consumers. The right of citizens to freely assemble for educational, religious, political, and cultural purposes to prudently assume risks and to manage their own health care must be respected. Mandates should be few, rooted in public understanding, and not frequently changed. Assumption of risk is the concept dominating public policy as to the flu and flu vaccines, and as the disease becomes less deadly, it should become the policy for COVID-19. It is neither fair nor rational to penalize the everyday citizen. America, thank you. We will get through this together. By following these sound advice tips, we will cross that line as one. And lastly, we will not use this pulpit as a sounding board to propel our own personal agendas and desires to become rich and a slake for lust of the almighty daughter. Dollar. Good night. Or something like that. Folks, thank you for sticking around for episode 204. Mucked up the last line. Had a couple interruptions on the phone, but hey, it's all fun. You got the point. I hope you enjoyed. Please do me a favor, folks, if you wouldn't mind. Besides heading over and doing a like, share, subscribe over on YouTube, that would mean a great deal to me. But if you could also, if you are suffering or a veteran that you know is suffering, please reach out to the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255, press 1. 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It actually jumps up to 25 to 27 during the holidays. We are approaching those times. If you know somebody you haven't spoken to in a while, please reach out. If you can't get them to talk, reach out to me. I will do what I can to help. It's that important. Lastly, if you send them over to don'tunfriendme.com, they can click on the VCL link in the top right-hand corner, and they will be connected to a VCL operator. If you are a citizen, civilian, you are not in the military, they will help you as well. Anyone who needs to talk or reach out, please pick up the phone, make that call. It is that important, and so is your life. Suicide is never the answer, folks. I don't care what anyone tells you. The only thing you do is transfer your pain onto others, and I know that's not what anyone wants to do. Folks, that's it for 204. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please leave that like, share, subscribe, click that button, share it with your friends. Tell them all about Don't Unfriend Me. Thanks for coming. I'll see you tomorrow with a brand new episode. It's Red Friday tomorrow. Wear some red. Remember everyone deployed. Good night. I'm out.